Welcome to the HR Chat Podcast, bringing the best of the HR and talent communities to you. In healthy ecosystems, old systems fail and better ones replace them with a continual process of evolution. In the world of work, old centralized command and control modes and broken business models will fall apart as better structures take their place. Work is not dead, just the way we have thought about it. We are seeing this happen at an accelerated rate as a result of the coronavirus, of course. In this HR Chat episode, I'm joined by Andrew Spence, who will share his thoughts on an increasingly decentralized workforce and how it will impact organizations and HR departments. As work unbundled, explains Andy, it will be reconstituted into new forms and also refresh some older ones that we are more familiar with. Andy is an experienced management consultant specializing in the design and implementation of new HR operating models to deliver business goals. He has worked on over 25 complex transformation programs with organizations including BP, John Lewis Partnership, United Health Group, and the UK public sector. Andy has an MSc in Cognitive Science and Artificial Intelligence. That's pretty niche. And his recent research has included publishing a paper with the Tapscott's Blockchain Research Institute on blockchain and the CHRO, which I'm definitely, definitely going to ask him about today, in addition to developing an e-learning course on blockchain and HR. Andy, it's my absolute pleasure, sir, to welcome you to the show today. It's a pleasure to be here, Bill, to speak to you this evening. I'm a little bit daunted because you're a very, very clever chap and you know a lot of stuff that I, I have no idea about. Um, usually I have a fairly good idea when I interview my guests but uh this is uh this is delving very deep tonight but um it's going to be a juicy meaty conversation nonetheless but just just go a little bit easy on me and the you brainiac if you don't mind Uh, likewise bill really looking forward to chatting with you (laughs) okay so beyond my wee introduction please tell our listeners a bit more about yourself and what you get up to um, yeah, so I work on um, uh, transformation programs for different organizations um, all around, you know, HR, people management, um, how do we best uh, deliver our organization strategy, whether that's um, keeping prisoners safe or uh, whether that's in the retail environment or the health environment. So that that keeps me busy. And I've worked on a number of those programs over the years. More recently, um, I'm working more closely with what I would call HR technology providers um, who are providing some of the infrastructure that we use in our organizations and doing some thinking about what what the future might look like in work, uh, given the new infrastructure that is being built. Let's start with a bit of a high high level question, if you don't mind, just to sort of ease me in, Andy. Um, Can you can you paint a bit of a picture of of the ways that we used to work, what what organizations used to look like and and the shift in the way that we work now as as a result of of the gig economy and, of course, more recently, the effects of the virus? Yeah, things have certainly changed, haven't they? Um, And there's some really obvious ways. You know, if you look at social media, you'll hear lots of people moaning about Zoom calls and meetings and really... They don't seem to be the problem. We've always had meetings. I think part of the issue is how we actually organize our work. Um, So I think that's 
that that needs to to change. And then if we look at the the infrastructure of work, it seems in the this digital age we're still using resumes and CVs. You know, half of them have little white lies on. I'm sure yours doesn't, Bill. Um, or mine, but you know, a lot of them have little facts that aren't quite true. They're not verified, and it seems that in this age of be, of Google, where we've actually managed to uh, be able to search our knowledge base, um, the world of work hasn't quite caught up with it. Um, so I think that's part of the infrastructure. Seems very old-fashioned these days, and I think that over the next decade, we're going to see that. Um, being brought probably into the post-internet age where actually we're going to have more of a a decentralized um, uh, type of arrangement where, you know, we we hold and own our resumes, CVs. We collect credentials from all the the gigs and the the work we're doing, um, the learning we're doing, all this kind of stuff. And we bring it around with us to share with who we choose to share it with. So I think that's going to change in our in our rather long careers over the over the next few years. So for any organizations out there who are looking to uh, to overpay their, their next hire who has specialities in, you know, for example, uh, HR podcasts, I, I assure you that my CV <laughs> has, has not many uh, white lies in it at all, I hope. But um, it's um, all verifiable, Bill. It's all out there. <laughs> it's all verifiable, <laughs> exactly. Now then, uh, you've you've published a paper with uh, Tapscott's Blockchain Research Institute, as I mentioned in the intro, uh, on uh, blockchain and the CHRO. And in addition to that, you developed an e-learning course on blockchain and HR. We've never really spoken about blockchain and HR on this show before, and this is this is new territory for us. Um, Tell us a bit about the connection. Well, a few years ago, um, I was intrigued by what I was hearing about Bitcoin, you know, and blockchain. And, and blockchain's the underlying technology behind Bitcoin. So I, I remember one weekend a few years ago really reading up on this. And the, the, the thought occurred to me, hey, could this be useful in HR? And so I, you know, I, I publicly blog and write and speak about some of the ideas that, that occurred to me. And I wrote an article about this and it got quite a lot of interest from technologists, futurists, entrepreneurs saying, do you know what? It, this could help us with the infrastructure of work, the plumbing of our work. And really, of all the emerging technologies, on the face of it, blockchain is the least exciting you know, it doesn't talk to you like like AI. It's not a cute robot. It won't take out your kidney stones while the surgeon has a cup of tea. It's basically a, a distributed, decentralized, slow database. But I actually think it could have a bigger impact on the world of work than um, some of the other technologies like AI. Um, and I think where we're seeing blockchain being used, when I first wrote about it, There was about 50 different startups around the world working on little projects. But now what we're seeing is large organizations starting to get together to collaborate, to create not-for-profit foundations, to create standards that we can use to manage our data going forward. So it's quite exciting how it's developed over those two or three years. Um, Nothing to do with Bitcoin or the speculation around um, the, the crypto at all. It's more around the um, uh, looking after our data, uh, verifying information, 
and enabling, I think the real enabler for me is enabling better um, work platforms. Now, we all know of all the different platforms that are used in the gig economy from Upwork to Fiverr and platforms like that. Well, increasingly, um, they're being used to be, to exchange um, to exchange work, you know. So I think blockchain can enable people to, um, to first of all, um, be able to verify their own identity, um, to be able to verify our work credentials, and then to actually use that data to to exchange information on platforms in a in a more effective and efficient way so i think it could have um, a major impact on the way we source work in the future and that answer i did didn't involve any explanation of cryptography thankfully for both of us (laughs) i'm still awake at this end that's the main thing so let's talk a bit more about uh, what this this new some people would say scary. Some people would say exciting. World of work looks like what? What, what types of new organisations will will emerge, Andy? And and what does the new social contract between companies and and workers look like? I think that the traditional forms of um, of employment are breaking down a little. You know, there's a there's um, there's a lot of people now who um, can can earn in many different ways from people providing content, uh, from uh, newsletter writers, podcasters, uh, TikTokers, vloggers. People are creating content and getting um, getting remunerated and paid for this content, which is really interesting. Uh, take a, an example. Um, you know, you, um, if a service is free, then you are the product. You've heard of that phrase before. Um, and it applies also um, for for things like Google Search and Maps, uh, it's a free service. It's darn useful, but of course, this, our data is then used and sold to advertisers. And I think this model is changing around a little bit. Um, for example, the Brave internet browser will allow you to choose which adverts you click on, and you get rewarded in in tokens for that. Um, so it sort of it, it puts you back in control of your own personal data. Um, and it turns the business models on the head a little bit. I think we'll see that in the world of work too, where we're able to to monetize our skills, our time more effectively. So I think the upshot for that is that there may well be um, um, more of a liquid workforce to pull on for organizations around around projects when they're needed um, to, to, to source teams as and when they're needed. Um, and probably a smaller cadre of uh, full-time contracted employees. I suspect that's the way we're going in certain industries. What, what, what kind of percentage uh, retention of traditional roles then uh, do, do you think we'll see, say, by by, by 2030? Are, are we saying that um, because of the gig economy, because of AI and machine learning, 80% of traditional roles won't, won't be there anymore. Company hold roles, you know, and it'll, it'll just be the may, the, the a core of people who pull the strings, do, do functions that connect people, that, that assess uh, certain uh, job requirements will, will still be in place. I think that's a great question. And, and it's one I, I can't really answer. I mean, I think if we went, if we rewound 10 years or even 20 years from today, we'd have never have guessed for example, the, the, the iPhone, the smartphone, and the impact that would have had 
on society and business, it's going to be very hard to predict the actual work that is going to be needed in 10 years' time. What I do think, though, is that the the mechanisms for finding work and workers will be different, will be will be more, more effective and smoother. And I think um, there's still going to be a, a need for the human characteristics that we have around empathy and dexterity, uh, communication skills, uh, for example, and compassion, this kind of thing. So I think it will change, but it's going to be very hard to predict, you know, what, what the kind of ratios are going to be for a particular um, industry going forward. Okay, well, let me try and rephrase that a little bit with a couple of supplementary questions then. Um, and you've touched upon this a little bit. What, what, what's left of the traditional organization? What, what, what will be the core of, of, uh, of the company that, that we can relate to that has existed up, up to this point? Well, I think, you know, we could apply that to, to human resources, you know. So what we've seen over the last uh, 10 years or so, um, you know, the, 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 the systems have moved to the cloud. It's enabled certain efficiencies. I might guess at, say, 20% reduction in, in some of the admin we've done. But HR becomes even more important for organizations because, you know, the core skills needed are around all around people and change and organizations. So they're strategic, they're around compliance, around workforce technology, making sure that uh, teams are self-sufficient um, and, are, and are achieving organizational goals. So I think there's a whole load of specialists that are going to be required in, in HR, but probably not as many people who are doing more process-orientated work. I think that will be melted away somewhat using uh, because of the technology. And then another role for, uh, for HR going forward will be if we imagine that we've got different talent pools, you know, not just the permanent hires, but the contractors, the suppliers, um, all, all the different types of freelancers that we could use to source work. Part of um, the role in an organization will be nurturing these, t- these pipelines, getting them to work effectively together, um, using uh, people analytics to, to try and work out how to get a good team from, from this disparate group of people. So, so that's going to be key. And of course, employer brand is still going to be important. You know, this, these groups of uh, independent freelancers, workers are still going to have to want to work for your organization. Employer brand becomes even more important in the, in the kind of uh, scenario I describe. So employer brand, sure, I, I, I get that. And um, if, if freelancers have got certain contracts where they're essentially an employee, um, then um, they'll, they'll, they'll want to work for a company that they can relate to. But company culture is a completely different thing, isn't it, Andy? Uh, how, how, can, how can you really connect with colleagues if you're disparate? Um, one person is, is earning three times as much as w- what they would have done if they were a traditional employee and the resentment that that might cause. Um, and lots of the employees are perhaps only there for a, for a shorter period of time. How, how, can, how can an HR department truly hope to develop a, a sense of purpose, a sense of, uh, of company culture in, in that kind of environment? 
It's a great point. You know, and I think one of the roles for HR is almost like um, the organizational people scientists having to answer that question. I mean, I guess the answer is going to vary in, uh, in utilities, manufacturing, financial services in different regions. So they're going to have to, um, through trial and error and looking at the data, and um, and and a bit of experimentation work out the right mix for that for their organization. So I think there's not not going to be an easy answer to 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 maintaining a consistent company culture. But I do think it's one of the one of the areas where HR in the future will add real real value um, if if it adapts a little bit from where it is now. And and what about what about benefits? What about what about total rewards? Uh, I, I've been interviewing a few people recently on related topics, and uh, they're of the opinion that you don't have to be an employee of a company to to be able to benefit from traditional and non-traditional uh, rewards to to uh, attract and and be retained uh, by by a company. Um, do do you see that as a case? Do you, you know, imagine imagine uh, you you contact me. You're like, Bill, I love your podcast. It's the it's one of the best HR podcasts I've ever heard, and I totally need you to to do this contract with me. You are you are a contractor, but however, I'm I'm willing to throw in yoga sessions and uh, childcare as as well as all the the usual uh, rewards and benefits that one one would get. Um, is that a scenario would which, which which is which is more likely as we enter the the 2020s to to differentiate uh, an employer when when they're looking for the best freelancers or on the flip side of this because of the way the economy is right now do do employees not need to worry about that because frankly there are so many people who who need work Great question. I think the supply and demand dynamic will play out. Um, we're, we're, we're only going to see where, where we are with, um, with, with COVID and the pandemic in the, in the next few months and the next few quarters and years, probably, um, in terms of that. But I think we need to be creative. So, you know, uh, our, some of the organization shapes are changing um, from these um, uh, 20th century command and control organizations and long lock-ins to to keep people if, if we might get more attrition we might get people moving around more because it would be easier it does depend on the on the economy though as you mentioned and i think if it comes to um people working as a freelancer or a permanent then i think we're going to start to see um changes so you know if you've worked as a freelancer we all we know how how difficult it can be to get access to financial services, to loans, mortgages, that kind of thing. So there needs to be an associated market uh, that is developed uh, for insurance, uh, all these different things. So I think that will change, um, and I think that will make it more beneficial. And I think, you know, for those um, people scientists in the HR department, it's working out actually what will attract that superstar freelancer podcaster into my organization for a year for 18 months um and you know the usual rules will apply you know it'll be uh, cash money um employer brand and culture you know um so yeah i mean they need to be um measured alongside the equivalent for permanent employees don't they um, for this particular podcast, I'd throw in flexible hours and yeah. any help that you can give me with childcare would be greatly appreciated. Uh, I hey, thought listen, you were going to give me a Bitcoin, end. right, Bill? 
<laughs> we could talk about this. Um, we are, we're already coming towards the end of this uh, interview, Andy. Before we wrap things up, a last couple of questions for you. Um, big one for you again. I feel like we started with a big one. So let, let's, um, as we come to the end here, let, let, let's conclude with one of the big ones. What, what does all of this mean for careers then? So you, you've got you've got these we've got these young people, the generation Z, who are in their early twenties or just maybe finishing college or university right now what, what, what can what can they aspire to be is is it is it the the leader of their own agency is it is it to be the best independent they can be or should most of these young people still still hope and want to have have a career now again i'm sort of anticipate part of your answer here is that you're going to say bill it depends on the industry of course absolutely but in terms of a general mindset for, for that generation coming through now well what, what does the world look like for them i think it's going to look completely different for young people like uh, you and me bill um to, <laughs> to the uh, careers of the last century it's all going to change so you know it's expected that uh babies born um in in um in richer countries today are expected to live past 100 years old, which is amazing, isn't it? Um, and so if we think of our, our current um, education system where we might go to university for three or four years when we're sort of 19, 20, and then work for, I don't know, 40 years, that's all going to change. I mean, my, my view is that education is also going to be massively disrupted um, and we're seeing that with the pandemic, aren't we, for, for all sorts of funding and health reasons. So I think education is going to be massively disrupted. And pick, what individuals are going to do is pick up a whole series of uh, useful work credentials. Uh, it could be courses, uh, skills, experiences um, that they're going to carry through them for their long career. I think they're going to do that having almost like a digital resume that, that, that they can show people and use the data on. Um, so I think that's going to be something that they can just accrue these skills to, to, to demonstrate that you are who you are and you can do what you do um, going forward. And I think, you know, we're going to, society is going to have to work that through around um, retirement and around um, welfare and learning. I think uh, what we're talking about sounds like the future of work, but Really, it's the future of society. And I think we've got some really important uh, questions, funding questions around, around careers going forward. But I think to, to answer your, your initial question, I do think it's shorter term projects uh, are going to be more, more common. People will be moving around, uh, developing. And I actually think that is a really positive thing. I actually think people are more likely to reach their potential in work on that basis rather than being stuck in a job they don't particularly like, commuting for a couple of hours uh, a day for a boss they don't like in a hierarchical organization. Um, you know, I actually think it's going gonna, it's gonna to be more positive. People are going um, to flourish in this case. But back to your key point, it does depend on the supply and demand economics in, in, in work. There needs to be enough work. Uh, to, um, to 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 go around in this respect. So all that stuff I was taught in my politics degree in, in regards to Gramsci, and when he said everything will get 
um, increasingly worse. He, he was wrong. Actually, there's there's a good opportunity out there for you young folk as, as you enter a new epoch and uh, you just got to seize it. Uh, Andy, before we wrap things up, um, how can our listeners learn more about you? And I understand that you've also just uh, launched a new newsletter, the Workforce Futurist newsletter, which... Um, Frankly, a bunch of these questions that they were based on topics that you're going to be talking about in that. So, how how can people subscribe uh, to the newsletter as well? Um, on social media, I guess uh, my preferred um, platform is Twitter. I'm at Andy Spence, and um, you could probably find the Workforce Futurist on Substack um, from my uh, Twitter profile. Um, I've written one uh, post so far about unleashing the decentralized workforce. And the reason I set it up was really to get um, some kind of a community around this. Um, I'll ask some tricky questions, but I, I, I want the community to contribute some of the answers, some of the stories, some of the points of view. So please find me there, uh, subscribe and, uh, and, and, uh, and comment and get involved that way. Thank you. Excellent. Uh, so at this point, uh, I usually just thank my guest for for joining me. But in in your case, Andy, uh, I could I could sit here and learn a lot from you for for hours. So uh, I just like to take this opportunity before I do say thank you to definitely invite you on again to to be a guest on the show. And as it's being recorded, um, you probably do have to say yes. Absolutely, it'd be uh, my great <laughs> honour to to speak to you as um, it was today and in the future. It'd be great to continue our conversation. Thanks, Bill. Awesome, thank you. So, Andy, thanks, thanks so much for for being a guest today. This this was great, listeners. I hope you enjoyed this interview as much as as I did. Uh, a similar interview that you might want to check out as well um, from back in. June 2020 was with a chap called Jeff Wold, who's the co-founder of a company called Work Market. Uh, he talks about some similar issues as this, um, but it doesn't touch upon the, the blockchain or any of, any of that side of things. Um, so do check that one out as well. But just for today, that leads me to say to you, the audience, thank you very much for listening. Stay safe and happy working. Thank you for listening to the HR Chat Podcast, brought to you by the HR Gazette.